This is the end. The, oh, the end, my friend. And then you see, like, scenes of Vietnam, and Jim Morrison is high on smoking weed in the tub and trying to scrub his balls till he dies. So things are coming to an end. How do you deal with the ending of a campaign as a game master? That's a great question. I'm glad that you asked. You in the back with the hat. Yes, uh, same question, but with this voice. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. So I have some suggestions. They deal with epilogues, loose ends, and when to end the campaign. And since when to end the campaign is the toughest of those, I'm going to get to it last because I like to put off more difficult things to later. Just ask women who have been in my life. So the first thing is epilogues. One of the things I heavily suggest that people do when they reach the end of a campaign is utilize epilogues. It allows people to get some closure with their character. And if you're the GM, it allows them to frame scenes, tell their character stories, and put their character in a light that they most want, and gives them the final say about their character. You could do it in a as a situation where you reverse your roles, where basically they are now the ones framing the scenes and playing their character, and you play um, any additional characters, but really then they need to know that they're taking over that role, and you as the game master need to give them the narrative control to take over and do the kind of things that you as the game master would have been doing the whole time to tell you, no, that isn't what you know. Um, and to narrate kind of other events and that kind of thing. There are some games that mechanize this situation where they Siren, for instance, has you choose certain things that basically help to frame how you're narrating your epilogue. Um, my suggestion is soon and then far. So what happens immediately afterwards? So, you know, we see that um, Han Solo has just shot down Darth Vader's ship. Then Luke blows up the Death Star. What happens next? Okay, we go to the... Maybe somebody says, well, we're all in a scene where... We get medals. Everybody gets one except this space bear who doesn't deserve one. Because honestly, space bears don't deserve those. And I don't want to live in an America where they get them. Um, or, And then the next person would say, what happens after that? Well, the space bear petitions to get its rights recognized and wins. Space bear should. He was an equal partner on that ship, and he should have been treated as such. Then the next person talks about how actually Luke and a lot of the things he said were a big problem and a lot of people don't really respect him in the former Jedi trainee type community. Um, and he has to then spend the rest of the time kind of rebuilding his relationship with the rest of the new Galactic Republic, which does get ignored before we go to the next movie. But anyway, then I would say come to another epilogue where you do a description, where you have a description of what comes later. So, okay, we see that right after the destruction of the Death Star, everybody gets medals. All right, well, what about months, years down the road? What happens with Luke and Han and Chewie? 
with old R2-D2 and C-3PO. What are those guys up to? We'll never know. They only made the one movie, and they never went any further than that. So, we'll have to find out. That's my suggestion, is start soon, have one round of epilogues, then go to far, where you have uh, people describing stuff. So, for instance, in our Demi-Humans game, we had an immediately afterwards uh, epilogue, and then a way down the road epilogue. Um, we cut some of them out, but my way down the road epilogue was like thousands of years later. This is how this these events are remembered as this fictional past, that sort of thing. If you don't remember that, check out our Demi-Humans episodes. Demi-Humans was a game originally conceived by Robert Bowl. I don't remember the other things as he eventually left the project, but it was interesting. It was myself, David, Eduardo, and Marisa playing creatures that weren't fully human. Demi-Humans, you get it. So... Mechanize it is another suggestion that I have. If you have some kind of system of points, experience, uh, certain accomplishments, certain goals that characters could have met, if you can mechanize that, say that the person with whatever the high score was, that person chooses the order. So maybe they want to be the first person to speak on the soon thing, and they want to be the last person to speak, which is probably the best position. But, Or the first person to speak, and then the first person to speak on the second round. Or maybe you're only doing one round, and they choose they want to just go last. Whatever it is, maybe their order in things, uh, they get to choose it. Maybe they choose everyone's order. I want to go this, this, this person, this person, this person. If there's a mechanic that you can utilize do that. Um, that's one of the things that we've done in the past with everyone as Joker and variations of that. Um, I shouldn't say everyone as Joker. It's everyone as John and the variation everyone as Joker, which I someone had as James D'Amato's game, but I don't know if he's the original person to come up with that. So that's an option that you have. A big one. And one that David and I have in the past disagreed on, so we'll see how, uh, what if if he has any different opinions down the road. Loose ends. How tied up do loose ends need to be? And truthfully, I prefer that a lot of the loose ends get tied up um, for a variety of reasons. One is that you don't know if you're ever going to come back to this. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. Um, the other thing is you want to create this complete vision and the more you can tie these loose ends up, the more complete that seems to be. The issue is, well, how tied up do they need to be? And really it's a matter of how tied in people are to those things, to those issues. So if characters, if players and characters are more into something then that loose end needs to get tied up. That becomes more important because it's literally more important to the character. Uh, again, epilogues give you an opportunity to do this, but if you want to play this out, so go through it in play, if there's been something that's important to the character's background, if it's been something that's been coming up more often, then we have to tie that up and really get into it more. So an estranged sibling, parent, or spouse that's integral to a character's backstory and who they were the whole time, A, they should have probably been coming up in the game at some point. 
But if not, you can bring them in in the end when you're looking to maybe wrap things up. Maybe them showing up signals to the players and to the story that this is wrapping up, this is starting to end, that my estranged father or my my long-lost twin ha- has shown back up, that now we're starting to we're starting to end things. So in Cowboy Bebop, it's not till the end when you meet uh, the kid's dad. I don't remember the kid's name. The dog's name I remember. Of course, the dog was named Ein. Of course, I'm going to remember that. I don't remember the kid's name. So... Um, how much did it matter to the players or to the characters? If it mattered a lot, they need to be there. In Firefly, for instance. Spoiler alert! alert. (sighs) Shepard Book. Unfortunately, Firefly got short shrift. It only got that one season. Shepard Book was never really explored that much. We hint at him being something more than just this kind of traveling preacher, but we don't really get to know him. There's one episode where he gets hurt. And then some Alliance officials reveal that actually he's more important than this. And the one of the bounty hunters who comes in says, that's no shepherd, and uh, knocks him out because he knows he's so dangerous. Well, we never really go anywhere with it. And so not surprisingly, even when they have the movie, they never really deal with it. They never tell you what his story was, in part because it just wasn't something that anyone was all that invested in. Meanwhile, River Tam, her story was more important. It was more important to the show. Throughout the show, her situation comes up more often. And so not surprisingly, it's crucial to the movie that kind of was the end cap for the show. End cap? It was a nightcap. Oh, Nathan Fillion, thanks for inviting me back. Oh, hold on. Miss Torres, I see you've both decided to invite me for a drink. Well, I'm what am I? Hold on. Alan Tudick. Well, I don't know if I can handle that. Let's listen to your name. And you always play robots. Anyway, those kind of characters. Adam Baldwin, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the actors who are in Firefly. That's the joke. All right. But what if it really doesn't matter to everyone? And that's one of the issues that you'll run into in games like this is that it's not one person's vision. You're not writing a fucking book. You're not directing a show. You are not the ultimate arbiter of all of these things. There are other people, the players, who are here, and if things don't really matter to them, you're basically just going to be throwing info at them that bores them, that they don't care about. So what can you do? Well, I would say if it's something that a player is creating, give it more latitude. But if it's something that you created or you care most about, keep it shorter. Tie it into them if you can, but keep it shorter. If it doesn't seem like it's something that they are invested in, honestly, assume they're not and keep it brief. If you're doing some kind of epilogue where you're saying like, oh, uh, let me tell you about Mr. Bishop's background and how that wasn't answered. That doesn't matter to a lot of the players. Maybe it does. Maybe they care about it. But kind of suss that out. Figure it out. How can you do that? Well, you can talk it out at the table. You can create a list of loose ends as you're coming to the end of a campaign, especially if you know, hey, we're in the penultimate session. I'm going to write up a list of things. We'll figure this out when we're done. We'll take a break. We'll all get some... uh, 
uh, potato chips and Mountain Dew, that kind of thing. Or if you're cool-ass people, you'll go have a cigarette and drink some whiskey and, I don't know, race cars like Dominic Toretto. Um, And then you'll look over this list of loose ends that the game master has provided and you'll maybe say you know this interest is this interests me this doesn't that kind of thing but i'm going to say if you create that list it's probably a list of things you are interested in and that's not bad but you need to understand that when you are interested in a thing not everyone else is interested in those same things and so you might have people tell you i don't care about this and some people are less um, kind than you would like. They might, for instance, just tell you, I don't care about this. And that can feel shitty, especially when you think, well, I made this character and this plot point directly connected to you and you don't care about it at all. And that can be upsetting. So just be prepared for that. You've created this world. The other people have helped. You've done it together. Um, But understand that it might not work out. This can also feel kind of like an HR meeting of being like, all right, now where are your priorities? Um, But if you can knock it out quickly and then jump in and say like, all right, what are two things you want covered? Here's a list of 10. What are two things you want covered? There's four players we're going to cover. Oh, that's way too many things. We're going to cover only the things where there's overlap like that kind of a deal. So that's my suggestion. Make sure that any loose ends that are getting tied up are important to the characters and important to the story. All right. You ready for the big one? I got to take a drink. It's Mountain Dew, Code Squirple. It's brand new at Taco Bell. Oh, yeah. That's good, Squirple. Oh, yeah really gets the sinuses okay so when do you end when do you end a campaign so some games have systems set in place to tell you when the game should end in apocalypse world vincent baker suggests that when people start hitting their advanced moves um that you say okay someone's hit their advanced moves this session is now the i think he says the second to last session or something to like that like that or the next session will be the second to last session and so he basically says in the game book this is the point where the characters have developed enough mechanically that you need to start wrapping up the story um honey heist i think does a good job with this as well honey heist does it in a different way though it tells you essentially once one of these character bears out or um, criminals out, like once they become too much a bear or too much a criminal, where they're no longer really playable characters, that's when you need to end things. It gives you the clue of when that needs to end, where one character goes berserk or one character betrays the group. And that keeps in the kind of heist profile of the game. So that's my suggestion. If you have those games, follow that. Those epilogues and that other stuff works very, very well for those kind of games. And if they don't mechanize the epilogue aspect, then use some of the suggestions I gave you earlier. Regarding one-shots, I have a... Not a hot take, 
but I have some ideas. One thing is just my own opinion of the expression, uh, drive it like you stole it. I don't really like that one. But with one shots, play to the end of the game. All right. And by that, I don't mean play to the time that you have, but I mean, understand what the point of the game is. Understand what the themes of the game are and play towards that. If you're playing a game about these bounty hunters that go after, you know, the the big score, make sure that that's what you're pushing for and understand that in stories like that, a lot of times, a lot of the bounty hunters don't make it out. So in Kelly's Heroes, it's not bounty hunters, it's guys trying to uh, steal gold during World War II. There's a good chunk of those guys who don't make it to the end to see what happens in the end of the film. Um, in Saving Private Ryan, this, the very beginning of the movie tells you who makes it out of the movie. So understand that what the game is about, the themes of the game, is what you should go towards. And you should be playing to have fun in playing with those themes. That's the idea. Um, so really just focus on that because after all, you're playing for what? Three hours, four hours, and then that's all. You're not coming back to this or the plan is to not come back to it. Some people say that when you're playing a character in those games, you should drive the, you should treat the character as a stolen car, drive it like you stole it. My joke about that all the time is, oh, so very, very carefully without taking any risks so as not to draw any attention to myself because after all, I fucking stole this car and I probably don't want to get caught. That's my joke. I don't fully agree with that idea. Your goal should not be to be as insane as you possibly can be and to just have fun in any way. Instead, you need to do what the game requires and what the game asks for the theme of the game. So if you're these like secret commandos, you're going to have to take these risks that might not be um, advisable. You might do these things that if you're trying to keep this character around, you might not. Similarly, um, you might betray the party if you're like a group of mobsters. You might be some kind of informant because after all, this one shot deals with these themes. You want to get into that. So figure out the point and the themes of the game and make sure you're playing them through. Another idea here is focus on characters. Have they done what is the most key thing to them as a character? If they have, then from that point, that character, they're not necessarily treading water, but they're in, for them, in this story, they're kind of, it's not really their denouement, but they're along for the ride with everybody else. So if you want to say treading water, that's fine. Ask yourself, have the characters changed to where they're no longer able to go back to who they were at the beginning? If you run into either of these situations, a majority of the characters have are done with their big things, or the characters are now all changed in a way where they can't go back, it's time to start moving towards an end. Because after all... You've got these characters who they've fulfilled their big things. They've they've uh, achieved their revenge. They've proved themselves. They've found the long lost Flimpkin of Glargark. Whatever it is, they've found they've done those things. 
it's time to start wrapping things up. Focusing on the characters also keeps your players as the most important people and makes them central to what's going on. As opposed to the big plot. So, let's get some more uh, Snargleberry juice. Ooh, the Snargles were particularly good this year. Is the big plot complete? So, you've got this big, larger plot. Everybody has their own little things that they're dealing with. Is it complete? So, uh, a story that basically has no big plot that I'll give you is uh, Samurai Champloo. And also, kind of, Cowboy Bebop. In both Samurai and Champloo and Cowboy Bebop, both made by the same kind of team of people, you have these episodes that are interesting that occasionally tie into one another, but are barely related. The big plot of either of those shows, you probably couldn't describe easily. You would really just be describing the characters and the premise of the show. You wouldn't be describing a plot because there isn't a big overarching plot. Spike and Jet are bounty hunters and they run into crazy characters and they go on crazy missions. Um, I'm going to say Jin and Fu and the lady who's with them, whose name will, I'll remember like 10 minutes after this. Turns out her name was Fu. The other guy was Mugen. I can't believe that I forgot who was who in that show. A show that I said had such an important plot after all. They go on adventures uh, more reluctantly with one another and run into crazy characters and have interesting little adventures. There are some things that tie them together. Um, she ha asks them to help her with this quest, but it's barely there. So the question is, is the big plot complete? Focus on, if it is, focus on scenes for the characters to let them wrap up their own loose ends. All right. So if we've already defeated, um, the, em the emperor has been killed. The galactic empire, the second death star is destroyed. Where do we go from there? How do we end things? You don't need another big plot. You don't need another adventure hook. Give the characters scenes where they can essentially make their own drama and start to wrap these up and create their own epilogues. They don't need additional adventures. They don't need additional antagonists. They already have them. Explore those things. This is now the time where Princess Leia can figure out, is she in charge of something anymore? What does it mean to have been Princess Leia? What does it mean for Luke to have been the one who was there who witnessed the death of the Emperor and Darth Vader and also is the only Jedi that is alive, pot, at least that he knows of, that kind of thing. So if your big plot is completed, those almost serve as your epilogues. You can wrap things up that way. What if the big plot, though, is irrelevant? Now and again, you run into a situation where the big plot, it kind of doesn't matter that much. It's going on, and it's either a foregone conclusion how it's going to end, or the characters have moved away from it in some kind of way. 
My suggestion is let it exist in the background and even have things going on. You can mechanize that in some way or another, but don't focus on it. We don't need to see it get wrapped up. And I have two examples of this. There's a lot of Shakespeare plays where there's these things that in a role-playing game would be the main major things. A lot of stuff going on in Hamlet. There's this war that's going on. We don't see it. We instead are focused with Hamlet and what's going on because it's a story about people. Macbeth is the same deal. Very rarely do we see a lot of the a lot of these like big momentous things happen. Instead, they happen off screen and we're dealing with then the aftermaths of those. Um if you have some big not to say that the plots of Hamlet and Macbeth aren't big plots, they are, but if you have some kind of grand larger campaign thing that is kind of a foregone conclusion, kind of is irrelevant. It, it's le- it's become less important at this point. Let it be less important and focus on the major things. An example there is also Game of Thrones, the TV show. In the last couple episodes, spoiler, spoiler alert. alert, in the last couple episodes, we see the Night King and the army of the White Walkers defeated. Daenerys and the army of Dothraki, and the men of the north, and the free peoples that are still around, and all these other folks. Um, and at the time, she still has these two dragons. They, they've they defeated them. People give them shit for how that show went. I also wasn't crazy about it. But to a certain degree, the big plot stuff didn't matter as much anymore. What was at stake was, is she going to take back the capital? Yes or no? And what would have been great would have been to see, instead of all of the fight scenes that went on, um, them breeze through a lot of that and instead focus on the characters that are important to us as the audience. Instead, we got kind of a mishmash of it, where we we as the audience didn't feel that the stakes were as high. So when we're watching them destroy this city, it becomes this foregone conclusion that, yeah, like, of course Daenerys is going to absolutely wreck this city. She has this dragon with her and this near unstoppable army. Um, what else is going to go on? Well... If we had just instead focused on the characters more and on the big armies fighting with each other less, maybe that would have been more narratively compelling to people. Of course, then the ending in which um, the fat kid who was the baker becomes the new king and just fucks the shit out of Ned Stark's dead body really would have been honestly just as weird as what happened when Khal Drogo's uh, ponytail became sentient. And instead, it and the Night King's little ice spikes uh, formed kind of an alliance. And it was a trade federation thing. It was uncomfortable for everybody. So those are some suggestions that I have. My last thoughts really on are on burnout versus fade away. And so it's, do you keep a game... How, how long do you keep this game going when you know things are struggling or what's going on? So keeping a game going can be really tough and coming up to a good conclusion can also be really really tough we've had games that just went away the very first time we tried uh myself and some of the Bradenton crew to play the Ryoko Wari L5R box set it just kind of petered out we got interested in other stuff and we moved away from it 
we tried to run two different vampire games, one that took place in Tampa and one that took place in Washington, D.C., and people just kind of, they got, they didn't have the energy, and so it just kind of faded away. Like, they just slowly went away. Burnout, on the other hand, is when you say, okay, this has to end, and you come up with a rushed ending for it, and you don't put the time in to make sure that the story and the characters are served appropriately. A suggestion that I have for this is pretty simple. Don't think of this as a movie. Don't think of this as a book. These games make more sense if you think of them as comic books or TV shows. And even in a comic book or a TV show, you know generally that you only have so many issues or so many episodes. And so... Unless you get the green light way early on, you probably have to be thinking, how can I leave some cliffhangers to further encourage people to watch, but how can I also wrap this up enough where if people don't, if it doesn't get renewed, it's okay. Um, that's the way to think about it. When you think that things are coming to an end, when you hit a sense that I might not have enough time to keep doing this, scheduling things is becoming more and more difficult, start to wrap stuff up. Take what's most important to the players, and then secondarily, and that's important, secondarily what is most important to the larger story, and conclude that. Push towards the ending. And ask yourself again, how can I best serve the players? Then how can I serve the larger plot? And then... What other loose ends are there that I can wrap up? And those epilogues that characters get or that the players get about their characters can really help with that too because if there are loose ends that maybe you didn't wrap up or we didn't see wrapped up on screen, you know, those after credit sequences or those 80 free, 80s freeze frames uh, where we see like so-and-so went on to be the high school mascot and totally get laid at Bonnaroo. Like that kind of a deal. Um, when we see that stuff, that lets us have another opportunity to wrap these up. So speaking of wrapping things up, it's time for me to wrap it up. I'm Casey Kasem, signing off. Thanks, everybody. Now to David to see what he has to say. This is David. Austin and I couldn't get together to record at the same time, but he did send me over a draft of his advice. He did a really good job and had great points. Uh, my only note would be that he's completely wrong about every single thing. I am just kidding, but maybe I'm not. Because there are a couple things that I had diverging takes on. So let's get into them. First of all, uh, I will say that Andrew was also in that Demi Humans game. Uh, he was the troll with the Cookie Monster voice. I mean, how'd you miss it? Also, Shepard Book from Firefly. Um, I was pretty sure he was an Alliance officer or law enforcement or something. I... um. I don't know. I feel that was like heavily implied. Maybe I was reading in too much into it. Um, it's also been a while since I saw that. But anyway, uh, I guess let's talk about role-playing games. Uh, so let's do that. So I expect that Austin and I have different approaches to running games, sort of. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but let's see. Uh, I blame it kind of on my writing background. But whenever I'm GMing, some some piece of the back of my mind is always looking for a main plot to surface. In addition to what are the rules of this game? Who are you? What is your different name? It's it's a lot of uh, things going on in that head. But um, 
Yeah, I'm looking for the main plot to surface. I think uh, Apocalypse World, as many offsprings, would use a kind of the main question instead of main plot, I guess, which is a good way to think about it, to be honest. I think you know what I mean, though. Kind of think about it as, is there something that all the player characters are spending all their mental energy on that you can pick up on? Are they going toward one obstacle or one situation that's kind of a all their characters and the players themselves are kind of focusing on? If that's the case, uh, that's your main plot. Perfect. Great job. Uh, some might argue me on this, but um, it works just as well if you have pre-established kind of a question, too. I know, uh, for instance, um, Doisp or Dragon of Expire Peak was a pre-written adventure and it had one built in kind of uh, defeating that dragon, you know, of Icepire Peak. It was pretty easy to steer most of the things, uh, most of the, the plots and even the background stuff going on toward that end goal or toward the resolution of that kind of a question. Like, will Serafina, the main character, be able to defeat this dragon? We, uh, who knows? We gotta we gotta build everything toward that answering that question, and it makes kind of a uh, GMing easier when you have that kind of thing to steer things toward. And when you get that, you know, starting to be the end of the game. This is the beginning of the end. Oh, also, I should say, uh, since I talked some shit about Austin before, another great example of kind of a uh, finding that plot that the player characters kind of pick up on is uh, Austin's This American Monster Game. So we had a bunch of simultaneous plots going on uh, at various points in that game. But I think Austin really expertly picked up that I think most of the players and the characters too were all interested in Mr. Heck, the devil. Spoiler alert. And he kind of drove the story toward that, answering that question of can we outrace the devil or kind of foil his plans? So that climax worked really great. And when we had our answer, it kind of made the perfect wrapping up point. It's kind of almost textbook like example of what I'm what I'm trying to say here. So great, great job. And I've certainly been guilty of not finding that question quickly enough, I'd say. And also of not steering the game toward that conclusion fast enough either. Um, but here's the hard truth. For you, listener, for me, the earlier you wrap up things in a satisfying or honestly even mostly satisfying way, the better. For your game, for your players, for you. It's much better for your players to be sad to let their characters go than to be relieved to let them go, right? So that brings me to loose ends. Don't even worry about them, in my opinion. This is definitely where Austin and I differ, I think. Once you find the climax to build to, don't feel bad about ignoring or discarding the rest. If any players feel unsatisfied by a loose thread or something that ended up a dead end story-wise, that's what I got epilogues for, baby. If you're really lucky, you might strategically leave some loose ends, so many maybe, that your players then demand for a sequel. Since I mentioned epilogues recently, I also want to bring up maybe the best system for them. A little game called Siren, or perhaps Spell Run, if you're feeling weird. That game not only mechanizes everyone's epilogues, but gives a simple prop for those players who sometimes find themselves at a loss when given complete narrative control. Uh, I'm looking at myself here. As a GM, I take Siren's cue and try to offer up either a short um, prompt, and by short, I mean like a sentence, maybe max, um, or like a question or something to start a player's epilogue off, kind of get their juices flowing, I guess. Uh, even just mood suggestions are also like 
perfect. So I don't know, something like, um, like what dark fate did Birdo, the bird bard face after defeating Humpty, the terrible, or, uh, did Scalpeltron ever really learn to love something like that? So it kind of suggests the mood and I wholeheartedly agree with what Austin said too, to give the player a wide berth when they're answering that question or going into their epilogue, let it all pour out. It's great. It's cathartic. But, you know, also don't be afraid to rein them in if they either go too long or if you find maybe they're going too wide. So something that might cut off possibilities for other players in their epilogues, like, uh, I don't know, what would be a good example? Like, uh, um, not only did Scalpeltron learn to love, but he also converted the entire galaxy into scalpel twins. And then the next person, Gorflock the Conqueror, the other players, just like, well, I well, I was going to conquer the whole galaxy, but now they're just all scalpels? What's even the point? That doesn't make any sense. What's the challenge there? Everybody knows scalpels are easiest to defeat. So I would definitely try to you know, look out for that. But most players are pretty good with that kind of stuff, but keep your ears peeled. Okay. Almost done. Last thing I got to touch on, though, is the drive it like you stole it thing. So I first heard that metaphor, um, or simile, I suppose, from Avery Adler, who was the designer who of uh, Monster Hearts, most famously, maybe, and Quiet Year, and probably a dozen other amazing games, many of which I've played, but not all. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do them all, though. I guess Austin being the law-abiding citizen he is, and I feel not playing a lot of video games, I doubt he's played a lot of uh, Grand Theft Auto, but I kind of get the impression that's where this kind of comes from, or that's at least how I think about it. I will admit, um, I also try not to get arrested, and I don't play a lot of video games, but from what I remember in high school, playing at my friend's house who had Grand Theft Auto, my plays always consisted of stealing the coolest looking car and driving it as fast as possible. Uh, looking for the coolest ramp to jump off of and it goes in slow motion and you, you get a point you get points for it or something and then you crash and then police come out and I just keep doing that until either the police kill me or the car blows up or something and you know the last thing I was worried about was that car I who cares why I'm trying to get the cool airtime baby so I think that's kind of what if I can interpret it what Avery Adler was kind of a uh, referencing you have these these characters for a limited amount of time maybe just a one shot if you're lucky a longer campaign or something but you only get a limited time with them and don't be overly protective you know let your characters take risks don't fall into the trap of making a character that's too uptight or too paranoid or plays it by the book or something like that like too much maybe they were like that before and when this game starts well, now, now everything's changed. They're coming out of their shell. They're taking risks. They're doing interesting things. You know, getting into trouble as protagonists and PCs tend to do. I think that was the the main point of that. Uh, drive it like you steal it kind of mentality. But yeah, you only get them for a limited time. Make sure you enjoy that ride. And especially if I'm your GM or anyone like me, because uh, I promise you, all roads are going to eventually lead to one sweet fucking ramp and you're going to jump over it and hopefully have a good time. So that's all my thoughts. There you have it. A limited time only offer. 
It's the McRib at your local McDonald's. Join This American Dice next week for more exciting episodes of our long game. In this case, Dungeon World, Scale and Shadow. We're going to take a week off, of course, and then another short week. YouTube is where you can find some of our old games, long games on Saturdays, short games on Sundays. Posting up there as they're coming off of our regular feed. Be sure to rate, review, like, subscribe the whole nine yards, and we'll see you then. Enjoy yourselves.